live courageously, sis. That hope is possible. That it's not too late. God's arm is not too short. He can do things that you can never do. I have seen God answer prayers and blow my mind. What I thought, man, you gave up on that. And you gave up on me. God's like, no, my timing is just different than yours. And immerse yourself in the reminders of his faithfulness, which is your word. Sometimes it's harder for us to be in seasons of difficulty because what we're consuming only reminds us of what we don't have. If it's the glory of God to conceal a matter and the glory of kings to search it out, then Queen, we have a few questions to ask and a few conversations to have. I am your host, Liv Dooley, and I cannot wait to introduce you to some of the women who inspire me to fall more deeply in love with the word of God and worship in everything. I am so grateful you were here. Let's go on and get to work. Hey, y'all. How are you? I am so excited that you are back for another conversation here at The Best Kept Secrets. Welcome back. Welcome back. How is your week? You know, I have to tell you that I am feeling really refreshed and really refilled, but I had to be intentional about that. And so if you are feeling as if you are drained and weary and tired, I want you to know that it is quite possibly because you have done good work this year. Celebrate all that God has led you to do and all that he has done through you because y'all, we are at the end of October and it's time to settle down. I do recognize that there is yet time within the year to accomplish those goals and continue moving forward, and I honor that. However, I don't want you to miss the opportunity to slow down and the reminders that the seasonal changes bring us. So if I make any recommendations to you this week, it would be to do something where you can enjoy being, where you can enjoy being refilled and refreshed. Today, I want to thank Kim's Too Inspired for the podcast review that she left last year. It reads, just discovered Liv's show, and I so enjoy how she and the guests inspire us to dig into God's word. Y'all, we're going to do even more of that today, and I am so excited to introduce you to our guest, if you don't know her already, because she is a wealth of knowledge, and I truly enjoyed this time that I spent talking to her, as I have Every single conversation from the beginning of time here at The Best Kept Secret, and in particular, those who have shown up this season, because we get to really deep dive into some of the themes that we cover in Selah, the study of First and Second Samuel that I have written. Today, we're going to be talking about idolatry, because you know, we have already talked about Saul and some of the issues that he experienced with this. 
We've talked about the people pleasing that he struggled with from the very beginning of his leadership. We've talked about how he chose to force a few things outside of God's will and in turn forfeit what God had for him. And we've talked about how he really only sought God when he wanted to manipulate him. He never really turned to him to pray. He never really established an intimate relationship with him. And we find that Samuel actually corrects him and tells him that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. However, I don't want to just stop with Saul because the biographers of 1st and 2nd Samuel, which are attributed to Samuel, Nathan, and Gad, the three prophets that really led during the time of Samuel's leadership, Saul's leadership, and then David's leadership, give us a lot of insight into some of the women in the text as well. And one of those women is Michal. You know, we often talk about Michal and the issue that she had with David in 2 Samuel when he was dancing before the Ark of the Lord as he brought it into Jerusalem. But I don't want us to miss the years of trauma that this woman was subjected to from a very young age. And one of the things that I appreciate about the text is that it includes it that the Holy Spirit chose to really help us to see what she dealt with throughout her life. She loved David. And I think that is something that we often forget. This woman loved David to the point that even though her father Saul chose to use this desire that she had to marry him against him and attempt to enact even more ploys to take his life, she loved him and that made him afraid. So when he chooses to really hunt David down, McCall actually helps to save his life by telling him what is going to happen, that her father is coming after him. And in turn, she helps him escape. And then she puts a household idol in his place. This was a really, really sad story to me because she does actually distract Saul's servants who have come to look for David But when Saul himself comes, he only accuses her of having betrayed him. He never took the time to address the deeper issues in the room. This woman had a household idol that was large enough to be disguised as her husband under the covers. That's a problem. And yet no one ever slowed down enough to address it. That could be for a variety of reasons. I mean, it was a household idol. And unfortunately, it was her father who had chosen to move into idolatry, who had chosen to forsake the Lord and pick up these other things. And it's here that we see his 
issues not only affected him, but they influenced his children. She chose to turn to these household idols to help her cope with some of her issues. And a couple of the commentaries that I read um, said that she chose to, she most likely had this household idol for infertility. We know that she had this issue throughout her life, even before David put her away um, as a result of the incident that they had when she held him in contempt for how he danced before the Lord. And we know that because she lived with David as his wife, and then her father gave her to another man to live with him. And she lived with this second husband for what appears to be the most of the of David's exile and his time away as the king of Judah. It wasn't until he became the king of Israel that she was returned to him seven years after he had become the king of Judah, and yet she never had children. So scholars think that this household idol was most likely for infertility. And one of the things that surprised me was that Rachel, one of her ancestors, also kept a household idol. When Rachel was leaving with Jacob, her husband, and Leah, her sister wife, and her sister, sister, she took Laban, her father's household idol. Now, at the time, it was small enough for her to sit on. At the time, it was small enough for her to hide under her skirts without rising up. And the Enduring Word commentary supposes that this could have been for the infertility that she experienced. If you're not familiar with Rachel's lineage, she gives birth to Joseph and then she gives birth to Benjamin. And centuries later, Saul, a Benjamite, comes forward. Now, we know that this far exceeds the repercussions that the Lord tells us will come when we sin against him in Exodus 25 because those issues and those consequences of sin will only visit the third and fourth generations. And this is much more further removed than that. However, whether you're looking at the issue that Rachel had or the issue that Saul had, one thing that we see is that when sin is ignored, it intensifies. Our God never made us to cope with anything. He called us more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. And I think oftentimes we get that confused with the image of someone like David fighting Goliath. However, I'm always drawn to the woman that was bowed over with the issue of blood. I'm always drawn to her and how she chose to crawl into the Lord's presence, bowed over to get her healing. She would be the definition of a conqueror to me. However we feel we have to go into the Lord's presence, when we choose to go, it reminds us that we were never made to cope with anything, but that we are more than conquerors. Generational issues are a struggle in the life of a believer. However, we have been freed from generational curses 
because our Lord Jesus Christ became the curse for us. I wish, I wish that Michal had had a different story. I wish that someone had slowed down to pay enough attention to her. I wish that she hadn't felt as if she needed to choose sides. I wish that if she did, she'd chosen the right one. Because rather than stand up for David, she chooses to push the blame off of him and accept that issue with people pleasing that her father also have. She tells him that David threatened her. And it just breaks my heart that she felt she had to do that. When in reality, she probably could have snuck away with him. Oh, but one of those things that keeps us in our idolatry is comfort. And we are going to be talking about that today. If you are interested in reading this, you can either find the notes that I have shared with you in Selah, a study of First and Second Samuel, or you can turn to your own Bible, which I hope you do, and read through First Samuel chapters 18 and 19. I hope that you know our God is for you. And that you do not have to deal with any generational issues that have been passed down to you, either through your genes and some of the hereditary issues that you may deal with. We know alcoholism is a hereditary issue. There are others that are hereditary issues. And we also know that sometimes we just pick things up in proximity, because of the way that we learn how people close to us handle their problems. But there is freedom in Christ and he is for you. Thank you for being here. It's that time, y'all. My co-host Ty and I are back with another woman you should know. Yes, so happy to be back, Liv. Who do you have for us today? Honey, my goodness, I cannot wait to introduce y'all to Winter Brook. Winter Brook is actually a social media marketing coach, and she is phenomenal at what she does. However, what I need y'all to know about that is so special about this friend of mine is that she teaches people what it means to follow the Holy Spirit and invite him into every single part of our lives so that nothing outside of him ever becomes an idol. And the way that she teaches on the Holy Spirit and then helps us to understand how to really utilize his directives and his promptings in our social media strategy, our businesses, our ministries and everything else we do is something that is truly empowered by the Holy Spirit himself. And it is, it is so special. Amen. Yeah. When I looked up Winter on her uh, Instagram page, she had something funny about a missions trip that she had gone on many years ago. It was, it was funny, but it was also, she used it as a teaching tool. 
And um, what I appreciated about her was that she said um, that she wanted people to know that God has called you to certain people and to not forget when you're standing in front of people or you're on social media, don't forget who God has called you to. And don't forget that you're leading people to transformation. So it's it's obvious that she puts Jesus at the center of it all and encourages those that she um, assists in social media, in the social media streets, <laughs> that that is a priority. Absolutely. And it, it really is a gift. I'll tell you that she came into the collective last year in 2022 to teach the women and encourage the women about how to utilize social media so that they can use it as a tool to minister to others. And it was such a special time. It really helped to take the pressure off of each of us as we remember that y'all, we don't bow to anyone but the Lord, especially this algorithm that is out here trying to make us bend and contort ourselves in all different kinds of ways to see who it is that we can grab attention from. And I think that we need a little more of this. So y'all go check out my girl. We're going to link everything down below. But Winter Brooke is definitely someone you should know. You know, I truly love learning from Bible teachers who help us move beyond surface level subjects, who help us explore how to serve the Lord in every part of our lives and to really, really enjoy living out the principles that we learn in our Bible. And Winter does that for me as well as our guest today. Elizabeth Woodson is a Bible teacher, writer, and speaker who is passionate about communicating the rich theological truths of Scripture. She loves helping people internalize their faith and connect it practically to everyday life. Elizabeth has worked as the Institute Classes and Curriculum Director at the Village Church in Flower Mound, Texas, and as the Single Life Coordinator at Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship under the leadership of senior pastor Dr. Tony Evans. Elizabeth is a graduate of Dallas Theological Seminary with a master's in Christian education, the host of the Starting Place podcast, and the author of two books, From Beginning to Forever, A Study of the Grand Narrative of Scripture, and Embrace Your Life. How to find joy when the life you have is not the life you hoped for. Elizabeth is the founder of the Woodson Institute, and part of their mission is to create accessible resources rooted in biblical and theological truth to help you understand and grow in your Christian faith. Would you please help me welcome Elizabeth Woodson to the best kept secret. All right, y'all. I am just so grateful for our guest's time today. I mean, I really always am. Y'all notice. Y'all notice. But y'all, I have to tell you, I was looking for someone who would speak to idolatry. And I just knew, I knew because this is a Bible teacher, I already knew she could do it. So I was going to ask her anyway. And then I read her books and I was like, no, she speaks about this. <laughs> 
Elizabeth Woodson. Thank you. Thank you for being here. How are you today? I'm doing great. You know, I have not had someone be like, I need somebody to speak about idols. Let me go find Elizabeth. But I do. So I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, I don't really know how that sounds coming off, but it's not because. Oh, yeah, no, no. Here it is. I yeah. think I think idolatry is something that we don't we don't either think we do mm-hmm. or we don't like to talk about because it pushes the buttons in places that we don't want to push. And so uh, that is the reason why uh, I think a lot of people don't talk about it. But I think we might be talking about it today. So I think we might be talking about it today. <laughs> and what I appreciate is just the level of depth that you go into any of the studies that you lead on your podcast, through the books yeah. you write and all of that. And so because it's something that we don't normally talk about, I was like, I need somebody that knows the scripture. Yeah. I need somebody that has dug. And <laughs> then I read your book. It was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> she really has. <laughs> So really, really looking forward to this. The primary book that I am referencing for all y'all sisters who are like, okay, which one, which one? Because yes, you know, I linked both of them down below. But the primary book that I have kind of referenced in some of our questions is Embrace Your Life. And you wrote about your journey to find joy, which I feel like is one that we are always on in some part of our life in some way. But I'd like to ask you to share what specifically inspired your Um, you to go on your own journey to embrace joy. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's it's several different journeys together um, that kind of collide in a moment where you realize I <laughs> I've got to get it together. <laughs> it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. we can't stay in this space any longer. You you uh-huh. you've outworn your welcome in the valley, and it probably for me was the pandemic. And so I have had other difficult seasons in my life, but it really was how do I not just linger here? How do I think about the ways in which I can use the tools of spiritual formation because what I realize is I'm going to be here again. Mm-hmm. And that's sometimes how I think about a lot of seasons of my life. It's like, this isn't a unique season, right? Mm-hmm. It is the ebbs and flows of life. I'm going to be in a valley again. And the next time I'm here, yeah, yeah. how can I not just limp along? Um, so there's this aspect of my personal journey. Uh, the pandemic provided a lot of isolation for me. I'm single, never married, live alone. So it was just really difficult uh, in, in in a lot of different ways, but then also my journey in ministry. And so I tell folks, some of the pieces that I miss about working for the church are the people I got to meet and the stores I got to interact with. And so there would be two, two groups of people, uh, folks coming in my office. I had the chair in my office, folks so they could come in, sit down, talk about their problems. And there was a group of folks who, man, they're dealing with heavy stuff. They don't have health issues, family issues, but I can see them trying to live. They're like, I'm trying to make it, even if they're kind of limping along. And then there's another group, they just stuck. I'm getting mm-hmm. the same story, same excuses, same everything. And not for a couple of months, because I believe in the process, right? And yeah. stuff doesn't happen overnight. But at some point, I believe the Lord calls us to move on. And so it's not months, but it's years. And it's the same place. I was like, that makes me sad. Because I believe the Lord has so much more for you, but you can't grasp that because you're stuck in this place. And so it was, it was a book that I wanted to write for myself, a book I wanted to write for other people, because we all know what it's like to be in a valley. And the question is, how do I live there? But then how do I not miss out on what God has for me in this place, which I believe is joy? Absolutely. That is so helpful. Mm-hmm. I your statement about how you have outworn your welcome in the valley just yeah. resonated with yeah. me. My goodness. Yeah. Um, I personally have uh, just 
walked through some infertility. And so, I, and, you know, we all have these different yeah. things that we're walking through, but this book was incredibly helpful. And I think it was because of just that. I feel like yeah. the Lord's saying, you've outworn your welcome here. Yeah. Let's get it. Let's get yeah. it. Let's get the tools we yeah. need. So you write, the expectation of immediate gratification inevitably adds to our disappointment, leading us to abandon patience. And I'd like to ask how we reconcile these ideal lives that we have been taught to pursue with God's ideal for our lives. Yeah, it is. I think it's hard because we consume a lot of immediacy, right? So whether it's immediacy online, you know, these five steps and you'll go from 200 to 200,000 Instagram followers in 30 seconds. Like that's what it feels like I see online. Or it is, uh, you see immediacy in people's journeys. And so you're watching them um, and it seems like their lives change really quickly or they gain something really quickly. And so, or I can access information really quickly. There is not this aspect of patience that we have to have partly because of what we're consuming, but what's available to us. And then comes to our lives. And the truth is life does not go as fast as we see online. And many times our moments in the valley have hard answers. The Lord doesn't always bring quickly. And so this idea of I'm going to trust the Lord in this space of I don't really know what's going on. I've prayed and I've prayed and the Lord is not giving me either the answers I want or he's not. He's telling me you just need to wait in this season. I love you. Trust me. But it's a wait. Um, and I think in this place, one is adjusting our expectations of what life is going to be like. And I distinct, I distinctively remember a conversation I had with my mom that made it into the book. And I was talking about something and my mother, who was a wonderful woman of the Lord, seasoned, full of so much wisdom, was like, Elizabeth, life is hard. Like you have this expectation that you're not going to experience hard things. And I think sometimes that's what trips us up because when we don't experience, expect it, we're not prepared for it. Right. And so what you see, uh, and the reason why I use spiritual disciplines in the book is because there's this aspect of training our spiritual uh, muscle, so to speak, to be ready for what comes. And so we train ourselves to have appropriate expectations about life, but also appropriate expectations about God. And who is God in the midst of all the things I'm seeing? And he doesn't change. And so if I trust God to be sovereign and he's good, that his sovereignty and goodness don't miss me when I feel that I'm in a lower place than I want to be. Uh, and so this adjusting of our expectations is a reality of what it means for us to live in a broken world. And scripture talks so much about suffering. And it talks about what power we have, the presence we have with God in the midst of the suffering. But it says, y'all, life in a broken world is going to be hard until Jesus comes back. Yeah. There's beauty in the hardness. There's goodness in the hardness, but it's yeah. still hard. And so I think when we adjust those expectations, it helps us have a better ability to be patient and also watch what we consume so that we're not formed to expect things that we don't need to expect. I love that you pointed out to watch what we consume mm -hmm. because my goodness, so often, you know, it's not necessarily bad, right? Mm -hmm. But it's also not helpful or healthy right. for us in that right. particular season. So my goodness, that has been an issue of mine and that ideal I have found can quickly turn into yeah. an idol. If yeah. only I had this, yeah. if we're not careful. And so 
I was thankful that you shared incredible insight into the struggle that we have with idolatry. Mm-hmm. How yeah. specifically, we're not going to go through all of them because y'all need to get the book. Okay. It's phenomenal. And at, at each point I was like, Ooh, that's Ooh. Okay. But I really wanted to settle on comfort. How does comfort have the potential to lead us into idolatry? Yeah. Comfort is a way we numb the pain. Um, And so the example I like to give is I'm not from Texas. I moved here uh, almost about 10 years ago. And so Texans love Texas. Like they just love their state. (laughs) And um, one thing that they're like, they think bluebell ice cream is the greatest. And I come here, I'm like, yeah, whatever. That's whatever. Y'all are just on your own stuff, whatever. But then I taste it. I was like, okay, I'll give this to you. I'm not going to give you much, but I'm gonna give this to you. (laughs) And so my comfort of choice is bluebell ice cream, Rocky Road. I will find myself in the back aisle of Target in the frozen food section with a pint. Because I'm like, if I'm going to get it, I just need something small enough where I can eat the whole container. You know, Uh like I'm just (laughs) being real. And it makes me feel good for a moment. But it's not going to fix my problems. And in fact, it will keep me coming back. And in fact, if I'm not really careful, it would affect my health. It'll affect other aspects of my life. And so we take something. Ice cream is not bad. It's a good thing. But we take it in excess to do something that it was never intended to do. We just want the pain to stop. Right. So there are aspects of disappointment or longing. I talk about this gap between the life you have and the life you want. Some of it is just, man, life is just, this is just, this is just a frustrating season. And some of it's really hard. Like you talked about infertility. I think about people who have chronic illness. I think about people who have extended seasons of singleness. I'd rather, I want to be married and I'm not, or your marriage is really hard. Like you thought you married someone and the person that's with you is not the person you walked down the aisle with. Um, It could be financial issues. It could be a whole number of things. And the pain can be really, really strong. And all we want is for the pain to stop. That's all. And so comfort will do that for us. Uh, But if we're not careful, We'll go to comfort when we're supposed to go to God. And that really is what we see to be idolatry is we give a created thing the place and role of the creator in our lives. Uh, comfort is uh, there's nothing wrong with watching Netflix or Hulu or Peacock, whatever streaming service you use. But when you are binging whole seasons, like there comes a point when I'm using it in excess, yeah. that's telling me something And I need to acknowledge that because God has better for me, but also as a believer that I'm walking down a path that's going to cause me to walk away from the Lord and maybe delay my healing, right? Because sometimes the healing comes with us learning how to continually go to the Lord, but we delay that because we are choosing create things of the creator. And uh, I think about Jeremiah's words, like you've committed two sins, right? You've chosen broken cisterns that can hold no water. He's like, the the idols you are choosing are foolish, but you're also choosing them in place of God. And so comfort is is an easy one because it's it's real. We just want the pain to stop. Uh, And that that honest and human desire, uh, if we're not careful, we can fall into a place of sinfulness because we are choosing the wrong solution to deal with our pain issues uh, because they're easy, they're right, they're available, they're right in front of us, but they're not sufficient, and ultimately they're not God. Mm. 
My goodness. I I really appreciate how you shine a light about how we delay our healing mm -hmm. when we turn to these things and they are easily accessible, but it's often that grief that we wade through that helps us to get over it. I, I you offer, you know, a couple of recommendations to help us conquer that idolatry, to help mm -hmm. us go through the hard work of healing with yeah. the Lord. And um, I want to ask what specifically does the power of lament yeah. have to teach us about ourselves and about just the opportunity to grow through those things? Yeah, lament, uh, like I said, some things are really, really hard and they're sad. And the question is like, what do I do with my sadness? Okay, Elizabeth, I can't eat it away. <laughs> what am I going to do with it? And lament is a practice that we see through the church historic. So like from the time of Jesus, and really you see it in the life of Israel. We inherit so much of what it means for us to follow Jesus from the spiritual practices of Israel, even though we believe the fulfillment of the promises comes through Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, and they might, they would not agree with us on that. And so what we see is this process of how do I grieve the things I've lost? And really that's what it is. Like I wanted something, I was hoping for something, uh, I was maybe in something and it didn't work. And it's this deep sense of loss. And how do I honor it? And so I think honor it by grieving it by giving space to cry out to the Lord, to express our anger, to express our sadness, to, to give words and language or a moment to saying, this is hard. I don't need to get over this immediately. Cause that's also, I don't believe that we don't need to stuff it down and just power through or be strong women. Like, no, if it's hard, it's hard. If it's sad, it's sad. If it's bad, it's bad. Call a thing a thing and bring it to the Lord. And lament is this process of crying out to the Lord for the pain that we're experiencing and asking him to do something. And you see this in the Psalms, you see it in the Psalm 13 and you see it with David and David is using very strong language. Like he's not, you know, God, I'm having a hard time. He's like, you left me. Like, where are you? Uh, and, and so that sometimes you think about the Psalms as you get this, this picture of Israel's relationship with God and what just what, what it meant to be God's people like the day in, day out. And you see examples of them dealing with all the, the things of life before the Lord. And so I think lament gives us space to process that with the Holy Spirit. It is not a static uh, spiritual habit. It is very dynamic. And when I think about lament, I think about even the things we've happened, seen happen in our culture in the past five years, like all the mass shootings that have happened this year, yeah. like there are no words to express the devastation that that has caused. And that is where lament comes in, that we as a community lament the lives that are lost. We lament the violence, we lament the pain. And we do that with God, knowing that he ultimately is the only one that can bring change. And in that, uh, we, re we remember who he is, we ask him to show up. And because he is who he is, he does. Yeah, he does. He does because he is who he is. Mm -hmm. He does. I, I love how in your book you pointed out that we as African Americans have participated in mm -hmm. this practice through the Negro spirituals that, yep. you know, so often mark different periods in our histories. Yeah. Kobe Campbell, one of our guests earlier in the season, even shared that she discovered that we as a people in our rocking through prayer yeah. have yeah. brought in some of those areas, you know, of that they've discovered in psychology that helps you yeah. kind of go through healing and so I just I just 
you know, even look through our history and thank God for what he's revealed in those relationships uh, with with him, you know, about how to continue bringing all of that pain to him. I want to ask you, as we kind of shift to your Bible study from beginning to forever, you share, Mm -hmm. even in his weakened state, Jesus made a choice that would characterize the rest of his ministry. Mm -hmm. His focus would be on doing the work of his father and nothing, even his physical pain, suffering, or hunger would get in the way. What recommendations or words of wisdom do you have for the younger ministry leader who is struggling to reconcile the vision God has given her with the present place she finds herself in? Did you hear? Did you hear? Selah, a study of First and Second Samuel, the study that I have written is now available. <laughs> I am so excited to get this into your hands, but I want you to know that we're not only going to study the scriptures, but we're going to pray together as well. This study includes six video sessions and 30 guided prayers to help us settle into worship. When you visit Amazon, you can find it there, but you can also grab it at livedooly.com slash Selah. And when you go to that webpage, you will find a freebie as well. If you've ever been interested in learning about when King David composed the Psalms and what was going on in his life at the time, I have compiled a little resource for you to really learn more about that in comparison with First and Second Samuel. Together, it's my prayer that these resources help us enjoy scripture even more. Yeah. And there's, I feel like there's so much I could say about that. Uh, partly is that you would capture the vision. Um, because sometimes we can, the time passes and we start to not believe the vision that God has given us. And so yeah. write it down, journal it, do a little voice memo and do it when you're having a good day. <laughs> so there's like joy in your voice or you can see joy in the writing so that you can encourage yourself in the moments where it's like, man, this is never going to happen. Or... Lord, I'm frustrated because it feels like you told me this, but the doors aren't opening. So it can be uh, despair or it can be anger. We can have a lot of different emotions. Anger itself is a secondary emotion, but the first is to write it down and to capture it because this practice of remembrance helps re-energize our, 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 our ability to engage with hope because we are are we're reminded of what is true in the moments where it doesn't feel like it's true. And then it is to ministry is this, it's a really interesting place because especially for women in ministry, you might have desires to do so many things, but the doors aren't opening. The opportunities aren't coming. There might be places where your gifts are not being cultivated because people aren't interested in cultivating your gifts, right? Women in ministry, is a, it's a, it's a, it's a complicated space. And, I, and I'm grateful to be in a season where I see things changing, but it is depending upon what side of that change you're on, it can be hard. And to remember, God is the one that called you. The gift he's given you is his, and he's going to make space for it. We're just stewards. And so he's not going to waste the gift. Like he's not going to give you the gift of teaching and then not provide you opportunities to teach. Now, where you teach and how you teach might look different than what you expect. And so that's back to expectations. Lord, give me what you want for us to live open-handed and not say, oh, I saw this person. They're doing this. 
my vision is for me to do exactly that. And God's like, you might have a great ministry overseas. Like you might have a great ministry in this church, in this community that you weren't even thinking of being a part of. You might be able to raise up and dedicate your life to discipling a group of people who are going to do great things, but they're doing those great things because of the people that have poured into uh, them. I think of Billy Graham and I forget her last name, but it's like Henrietta something. And she was a Sunday school teacher that taught Billy Graham. Mm -hmm. And she had her own publishing label. She she was a single woman, um, discipled thousands of folks. And Billy Graham and his contemporaries point back to her as the one who helped disciple them and really helped be a major part of their ministry. So in some sense, there would be no Billy Graham if there wasn't this woman who had dedicated her life. But again, it doesn't look the way we we think it does. And so knowing that God's not going to waste what he's giving you, knowing that where he might have you serve many times looks different than what we would choose. And you want what he wants, not what you would choose, because he knows the implications of the places and opportunities. You don't know the grace that people have been given to carry the weight of what they've been given. Like we just see what they post online. You don't know what they go through. You don't know what they carry. You don't know the decisions they're having to make to navigate where God has put them. And so that's like, that's the open-handedness. And then just be faithful. Like that's the goal. The goal is not fame. The goal is faithfulness. The goal is not perfection. The goal is faithfulness. And that we would say, Lord, let me just be faithful wherever, however, for however long. And knowing that if you gave me the vision, you will make the vision real. Period. So good. And it might, it might happen this week. It might happen next month. It might happen in years. I've had things that the Lord was like, this is what I have for you. And it didn't come to fruition for years. But when I got to the place, I was who I needed to be. I was not who I needed to be. <laughs> I thought I was. I thought I had it together, <laughs> but I did. Yeah, yeah. And so trust the Lord's timing, but also trust that he's good and he hasn't forgotten you. I think it's Psalm 27, the very end, that I will believe I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Mm-hmm. Like just wait for the Lord and be courageous and wait for the Lord. And so that was, that's a verse I've held to uh, during my own ministry seasons of trusting God in the in-between space. I love that. Oh my goodness. You know, you talked about this particular statement kind of as you referenced and taught through Jesus's introduction to ministry and how mm-hmm. he was tempted by the devil and how the devil presented all these different things yeah. to him. And I find the same is true for us that, yeah. you know, the truth is that we can pursue those things and we will find that there are options to have that longing fulfilled well before it may be in the lord's timing or through his means to bring those into our lives and so i want to ask you are there any ways that you have measured any ways that you have sat with him or grown in your discernment about whether those gifts those opportunities are from the Lord, or if they're from the enemy um, and they're feeding that idolatry. Yeah. Uh, I will frequently ask myself the question of why do you want to do this? Mm. And far too often, and then I would like, it's the honest question is you just want glory. Like you just want the recognition. Um, it's not about the ministry opportunity. And it's hard because again, because we're, we all live in this world of social media, We are struggle with comparison. So we see what somebody else has and there's like, I want that or I want to be able to do that. It's like, well, why do you want to do that? 
Do you want to do that really to serve? Or do you just want to do that so you can post something and get likes and follows? And that we're really honest. Like, just be honest. <laughs> there is no shame before the Lord. We might shame each other and want to look cute, but it's just is be honest with your heart condition. And so that's a question I ask often is why do I want to do this? Is this an opportunity for me to go into, to do what the Lord's called me to do. And so I love training. So I love speaking and preaching, but I also love training people how to study the Bible. Like that's mm -hmm. my jam. Mm -hmm. And the question is also, why won't you take this opportunity? Why won't you do this? And so heart motivations is a place I, I check on often because it's so easy for us to be fallen to the temptation of wanting the things that we see displayed before us all the time. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it is opportunities to like who God is calling me to. I, I recently, I was at a conference and I heard another, um, woman in ministry talk about this is that the tables that God will often call us to are not perfect. And so it's an uncomfortable place. So it might be, you're the only woman in the room. You are in an environment where I may not agree on all the things with all the people here, or these are not like, this is a difficult environment for me to just be in. And it does just because it's hard doesn't mean the answer is no. Uh, and many times you will not, you will not stretch into the fullness of who you need to be until you need to stretch. Like mm -hmm. you don't know how to handle yourself in uncomfortable situations until you got to handle yourself in uncomfortable situations. And so sometimes it is, am I walking in fear? Am I not trusting the Lord? Am I shying away from the responsibility to steward the opportunity that God has given me? And so I'm an introvert by, so like I'm the person in the back of the room, even though when I'm teaching a class, I call out the introverts. I'm the introvert in the back of the room. Maybe I can do that because I know it so well. And sometimes I was like, Elizabeth, you're not stewarding this well because you need to speak up. Like you need to contribute your ideas. You need to advocate for someone. You need to say the hard thing that's not going to get all the praise. It's going to make people slightly uncomfortable because you need to call out the idol in the room. And so that also is a heart check of sometimes we're there for the wrong reasons. And sometimes we're not showing up for the wrong reasons it's like, if you trust that God is good and you trust that what really matters is being faithful to whatever assignment he has given you, then some of the ancillary stuff doesn't matter as much. But again, it's routine heart checks. It's not like I do it once and I'm fine. I do it all the time because the temptation to wander away from the path is yeah. before us all the time. Yeah. It's before us all the time. That was so helpful. You ministered to my heart right there. That was so helpful. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. What words of wisdom can you share with our sister who's listening in and is having a hard time worshiping through her disappointment? As you yeah. have shared, there are some disappointments that they're hard to reconcile yeah. based upon what we've learned, what we've been taught, what we expected. Um, and what we have to deal with as a result yeah. of that disappointment, um, because it often is just staring us in our face, you know, day in and day yeah. out. How do yeah. we worship through that? Yeah. Uh, what I would encourage uh, as, I, as I give the wisdom is that your disappointment doesn't constitute the entirety of your life. And so sometimes in seasons of despair, that that's all that we can see. That that's all that we think about. That's all that we focus on. And God is giving you so much more than what you feel you have not been given. And so part of the discipline as Christians is to remember the goodness of the Lord. 
like to constantly remember the goodness of the Lord, because as long as you have breath in your body, you're blessed. And I know somebody's like, yeah, Elizabeth, that's nice, but they don't feel like that. And I think this is this place of calling us higher on our journey with the Lord to say, I live for you, right? In, in season, out of season, in rain and sunshine, Lord, I live for you. And so you have called me to the season, to the people around me. And so, Lord, in the midst of the things that hurt really, really bad, show me what beauty you've left for me. And, and, and my mother, who's wise, she's like, I believe when we ask the Lord direct questions, he gives us direct answers, right? Like, Lord, show me your beauty. Show me the things. Show me the other people in my life who are hurting too. And that I can encourage them with the same truth is that I'm being encouraged. We encourage each other along the way. And so I think that there's this process of remembrance uh, that we, we are invited into that bolsters us for the journey. And then to me, it is to see, Lord, what does it mean for me to sometimes to live courageously? And to me, I think putting your feet on the floor every morning is courageous. And sometimes being courageous means you need to get help. You need to go talk to somebody. You've been wallowing your stuff for too long. And so that's a trusted friend. That's a mentor. That's a counselor. You, we are not meant to carry the pain alone. So even lament, the beauty of lament, even what we see in our faith tradition as African-Americans is we lamented together. It wasn't just one person crying out. We were all crying out. Yes, and there's yes. something about the community in that. And so if you are suffering by yourself, living courageously is getting some help. And there are many ways you can do that, but I would encourage you don't suffer alone. Tell somebody, share your burdens with somebody, ask the Lord for a trusted person that you can do that with. And I think the next is it courageously is how do I move forward? Right. And I think about Jeremiah 29, because Jeremiah gives Israel this, this wisdom. We love Jeremiah 29, 11. It's a wonderful verse. But I think it gets more wonderful when we realize it's given to them in exile. Yes. Like they're in our valley. Yes. <laughs> yes. And what he says to them is, is while you're here, I want mm-hmm. you to build houses and gardens. I want you to get married. I want you to marry off your, your kids and your family, cultivate civilizations because the, the welfare of the city and your welfare are interconnected. So yes. while you're in a place you don't want to be, I need yeah. you to show up intentionally every day caring for the people around you, seeking their good. And in in that, somehow you find goodness for yourself, right? Mm -hmm. That as we are looking to to be loved in communities, that when we try to find opportunities to serve and love other people, I think we can find so much love in those situations, but it is how can I show up for the good of others? And somehow the Holy Spirit doesn't work there. And so to me, there's an intentionality of, Lord, how can I live intentionally today? How can I show somebody your love today? Whether it's my kids, your husband, your neighbor, your coworker, the person on the bus with you, like how can I show your love to the world? And in that experience your love from them and from other, from, from you. And so to me, it's that we would sing the songs. The reason we go to church on Sunday is we rehearsing what's true to be empowered to live during the week. And so that we would participate in the life of the body of believers in a way that like strengthens us. Sometimes the way we live is weakening us and that we would live in strength and courage as we wait for God to do what he said he was going to do. 
My goodness, remind yourself of the God that you serve. I love that you talked about the context in which Jeremiah 29, 11, that verse we love to turn to mm -hmm. is written because I find that the context enriches and even just makes it so much more beautiful. You know, y'all listening, y'all already know. Uh, Lamentations is also attributed to yeah. Jeremiah and Lamentations 3, you know, yet this I call to my mind, yes. therefore I have hope. Yeah. One of the most beautiful scriptures in the entire Bible to me. Mm -hmm. And yet, if you read the surrounding context, it's like, oh, goodness, this yeah. is why he has to call, you know, the yeah. Lord's faithfulness to yeah. mind because of all of this that is going exactly. on. And so, my goodness, thank you so very much. Yes. Y'all, my goal in this entire series this season is to introduce you to women who are uncovering these topics more fully in every way through their writing and through their teaching. It is my prayer that you would get connected to Elizabeth. We have only scratched the surface. I didn't want, I didn't want to take it too deep with the idolatry. <laughs> it might've been a little, a little, uh, you might've felt some shame, um, <laughs> but my goodness, I just, I'm incredibly grateful to the resources that you offer. So I want to thank you. Thank you. Uh, where can everybody find you? I have referenced it. It's all below <laughs> y'all, but where can everybody find you? You can find me on all the socials. Uh, my handle is at Miss M-I-S-S Jazzy Liz. Uh, and I hang out the most on Instagram. I change on threads, mostly on Instagram. So you can find me there. You can also find me. My website is thewoodsoninstitute.org. And so I lead an organization that specializes in helping Christians understand and grow in their Christian faith. And so you can find me there as well. And I'll co-host, I host a podcast called Starting Place. And we explore what Christians believe and why it matters. And so you can find that anywhere you listen to your podcasts. Oh, awesome. Some of our favorite Bible teachers have been on yeah. there. Jennifer Lucy Tyler, who was here earlier in the season, has also been a guest. So I'll yeah. be linking that because it's one of those resources that I turn to as well. Yeah. Can we ask you a couple of secrets real Come quick? On. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> We've talked about it. We've talked about it. This society is just so fast paced. Yeah. What are you doing? What rhythms are you incorporating into your schedule that is helpful yeah. and reminding you to slow down? Uh, yeah, I will limit the amount of social media I intake. Um, and so if you look at my phone, none of it's on my phone. I make it a little harder to capture because I know myself. I'm not trying to say that I'm all holy. Like I know, I know my proclivities. And so I'm trying to help myself. So that's something that I do so that I am forced to not go to that when I'm bored. And so I think it's like, how do I cultivate my mind in different ways? Part of it, I have rhythms. And so being able to start my day and end my day really in similar ways to slowly enter my day instead of being immediately reading emails or um, consuming a lot of things, how do I spend time with the Lord? And so it looks different every week because different weeks are different. Um, but how do I have the rhythms of controlling what I consume and spending more time with things that are going to help uh, my mind and heart be in a better place? I try my best to observe Sabbath. And so I will have one day a week where I'm not working. And for me, Sabbath, you, it is, we don't participate in things that cause us to, we're cultivating, but we also enjoy God's creation. And so as I'm not working, but I'm also maybe having a good meal with a friend, 
enjoying some piece of art or culture. I love music. Obviously, I love books. <laughs> if you don't you can't see that, uh, I have a whole bookcase yes. behind me. Yes. And so that that is ways that I slow down and have a moment where, man, let me just be present in God's creation and just live. Like life is hard, but there's also a lot of beautiful things in the world. And how can I have a, have my soul filled up by those beautiful things? Oh man, that mm. is so beautiful. So helpful. What does an ideal day off look like for you, whether it's Sabbath or not, just ideal day off? Ideal day off. I'm getting my nails done. I'm in somebody's chair. I can't be reached because my hands are in <laughs> somebody's mold. So it's that an ideal day off would be, again, I just really love breaking bread with folks. And so it'll be at one of my favorite restaurants in Dallas. Um, maybe a good steak because Dallas does meat well. <laughs> and so enjoying that. And then maybe a documentary. I love different documentaries. And so being on my couch and watching some good piece of cinema that is in that format would be a good day off too. I love it. I love it. And lastly, what is bringing a smile to your face these days? Ah, uh, I'm trying to think. Probably some of, I have some of these ideas that I have been kind of, I think about like the pot of collard greens that's like on the back burner in your house and it just got to sit there. (laughs) Like I have some ideas about culture and faith and the gospel and how do we disciple in this generation have kind of just been simmering. And so the smile on my face is like, it's stuff is starting to click. And so that's the process of a writer or content creator is the really good ideas don't happen immediately. They just take time. But when you start to be like, oh, like it's starting to come. I could smell the aromas of this turkey leg or ham hock or however you cook yogurt. I could smell it yes. coming together. That's just bringing a <laughs> smile to my face right now. Oh, we are excited. <laughs> <laughs> oh, your time has been a gift today. Thank you so much for the wisdom that you have poured out with us. Would you please close us in prayer? Sure. Father, we just thank you. Thank you for the opportunity just to talk about you and to talk about the ways in which that we can walk through the hard seasons and still hold on to the promises that you give us and the hope that we have in you. And so I pray for the folks who are listening to this, this episode, and I pray for the ones who are encouraged. I pray for the ones who are still like, man, Lord, I just need you to show up and that you would show up tangibly in their lives to remind them that you're a God that has not forgotten them, that you are good and you still have good things for them. I thank you for all these things and your son's holy name we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. That conversation was good for my soul. I pray that you can say the same. If there's anything that resonated with your heart, would you please head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Audible and leave a rating and review. It will truly bless this podcast more than you know. Now, in the meantime, I'm on Instagram at Candid Live, and it would be an honor to connect with you there. Talk to you soon. Love you.